Welcome once again to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. We appreciate you tuning in again this week as we look into the Word of God here on the program every week, and we trust and pray that you're getting some help from these broadcasts. I'm Pastor Travis Alltop, and it's my privilege to be on the air with you today and to have this blessed old King James Bible laid out in front of me and yet another opportunity to expound the precious message found within the covers of this dear old book. I thank God for this book, and I thank God for the faith that uh, this book inspires and encourages and builds because, listen, the faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you have a faith that is void of the promises of Scripture, then you have nothing. You see, my faith is based upon what God has told me. I have a specific set of promises. I have uh, principles and truths that have been given to me through this book and you as well that we can put our faith in. And God is honored by faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. And so uh, we thank God for the word of God. And that's why we highlight that's why we emphasize, that's why we exalt this book. Uh, that's, what, uh, that's what a Bible study program is supposed to be about. We're not making a pitch for money. We're not asking for anything. We're not saying send in this and we'll send you this. Don't send us in a $10 gift and we'll send you this uh, BP talent that we've prayed over. We don't do that. We're not interested in that. What we're interested in is we look at this as a ministry, an opportunity to get the Word of God into the homes of people in this area and other radio stations that carry this program. And we want to minister this precious old book to people. And we want you to know that there are still preachers and churches that believe this Bible and do their best and are trying and attempting to live according to its principles, precepts, and commands. And thank God for it. This week, we're going back to John chapter 5. And we're going to look again at verses 39, but this week we're going to include uh, the rest of the chapter and talk about some great truths here in this sermon that was given by Jesus Christ in the presence of his enemies. John chapter 5, let's begin reading together in verse 39. This is the Lord Jesus Christ preaching, and uh, we looked at this passage last week, but we're going to take in some more of the passage as time allows this week on the broadcast. John chapter 5, verse 39, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, he says, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And of course, we saw in a previous broadcast that the scriptures, the old as well as the new, testify of Jesus Christ. And that coming to know him correctly and rightly is what brings eternal life. I mean, the scripture says this is the record. Uh, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, and the Scriptures testify of Jesus Christ. And if you're going to study the Bible, you need to always be looking for Jesus Christ in the types, in the prophecies, in all the Scriptures, the old as well as the new. And he says this, he says these people thought they had eternal life, so he sends them back to the Bible. Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Verse 40, and ye will not come to me, that you might have life. Now that's what I want to focus attention on this week. Jesus Christ claims, by virtue of contrasting the uh, exact opposite of what he just said, he said, you'll not come to me that you might have life, which the opposite of that statement means that if they would come to him, and if you do come to him, you'll get life. And that's true. Jesus Christ, according to 1 John 5, 20, is, quote, the true God and eternal life. That's what the Bible says. Jesus Christ is, quote, 
the true God, and eternal life. If he's the true God, that means there's many false gods. Amen and amen, because there's only one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And here in John chapter 5, he preaches to some unbelieving religious men who had the scriptures and knew the Old Testament scriptures. He points them to go back to the Bible and to search it out. Because he said, if you'll search it with an honest heart, is what he's telling them, you'll find out that those Old Testament scriptures that you claim to believe and love and exalt and quote, those Old Testament scriptures testify of me. He says, and you will not come to me that you might have life. And so I want to point out a great truth today. You know, many people excuse away why they're unsaved. I heard one old preacher tell the story one time of walking up to talk to a man who was sitting out on his front porch down south somewhere. He began to witness to him and give him the gospel. And the man said, well, preacher, if God was going to save me, I believe he'd already done it. What that man had fallen under the spell of was that doctrine of irresistible grace. Do they thought that I can't do anything? God's got to overpower my will and overpower me and save me before I know what's happening. No, that's not quite right. Yes, it's God's terms. And yes, God is sovereign and in charge, but he gives man a free will. Don't choke on that. The phrase free will is all through the Bible. The word sovereignty is not in there. Although I do believe in the sovereignty of God. The, and th that word simply means that God is almighty and all powerful and is in charge. And he's the one that sets the conditions of salvation. He's the one that provided salvation. But you know what he did? He laid the responsibility upon men to will to receive him. He may open their understanding and they may be able to see the gospel, but they still must respond in faith or they stay in an unconverted state. And you can send me your letters of protest if you want to. Jesus Christ says these men didn't have life, not because they were unable to come, not because they could not come, not because of some decree that God made back in eternity past. No, my friend. He said they were responsible for their own damnation. They were responsible for residing in death because he said they would not come. He said, ye will not come to me that you might have life. And listen, this lines up with his invitations. God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Does he, have you ever heard that? Uh, verse quoted in a sermon. Have you ever read it in a gospel track and felt the tug in your heart and the spirit of God saying, this is true. Believe upon him. Well, my friend, if you closed that track or got up and walked out of that church, having not responded to that invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you left still unsaved, still lost and dead in sin and trespasses and on your way to a devil's hell. But listen to me, I have all authority to say, according to this book, that if you do come, he said, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. But the reason men do not have life is not because God doesn't overpower them. It's not because God is not willing that they would be saved. Because the Bible says that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. No, my friend, it's not God's fault you're not saved. There's nothing God has to do more than what he's already done. While we sing the old song, what more can he say than to you he has said? What more can God do 
God wrote it down. God invites men. God came down and died in your place and rose from the dead. God has made the way of salvation plain when Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. The scriptures testify of Jesus Christ and his love. The scriptures testify of a bloody cross where Jesus Christ became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The promise is to all who will come that he will not cast you out. The reason you're unsaved, it's not God's fault. The reason, friend, you're listening to me today still unsaved is because, quote, you will not come to him that you might have life. We find the same thing on the national level in Matthew 23 when Jesus Christ arrived just before his crucifixion to the city of Jerusalem and he cries out in Matthew 23, verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. Listen, Jesus said this, I would have and ye would not. He said, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and quote, ye would not. Listen, quit blaming God for your unbelief. Quit blaming God for not giving you the feeling that you're looking for, and recognize that you have a history and a life full of sin that one day, my friend, you will give an account of at the coming judgment. It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment, and God shall judge the secrets of men. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. My friend, you are a sinner. In the sight of God, there is none righteous, no, not one. And one day you will stand before God and give an account. And without Jesus Christ, you will be cursed. Depart from me, you cursed. I never knew you. Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, those are the facts as found in this book. And the reason you don't get saved is not because you don't understand, not because you can't come, but it's because you will not come. Now, isn't that amazing? God has provided the way of salvation. God has made salvation available through his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God has said in multiplied places that it's a free gift for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And yet men are still unsaved. Having provided everything that is needed to reconcile a sinner back to himself and making it a free gift available in the heart by faith. And yet men still go on in their sins and quote, will not come to Jesus Christ. He said, you will not come to me that you might have life. And so I want to talk to you today a little bit about why men will not come to Jesus Christ. Why won't men come with the promise of sins forgiven, with the promise of everlasting life? How many times as I have I as a preacher given the gospel to some old lost soul and watched him look off when God was dealing with their heart wasn't too long ago, I was in a nursing home and dealt with a 71-year-old man. And as soon as I began to explain the way of salvation, his eyes filled up with tears and his eyes became glassy. And when I came to the place where he could respond, I said, why wouldn't you come to Christ? He understood what Christ had done for him. And with a trembling voice, he looked out the window and said, I believe I've done too much. 
And I explained to him, nope, you've not done too much. The blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all sin, all of it. And I said, why won't you come? And he looked out the window and said, I don't know. And then he began to argue some scripture passages that came to his mind and his whole demeanor changed. You say, why didn't he come? He wouldn't come. It wasn't for anything other than he would not come. But what keeps men's will in bondage? What keeps men from coming? Why won't they come with salvation offered full and free? Why will men still reject Jesus Christ? Some of you listening today are going to reject Jesus Christ again. What keeps men from coming to Jesus Christ? Well, number one, I can tell you that men's pride will keep them from Calvary's cross. The Lord says in this passage of John chapter 5, right after he says, ye will not come to me that you might have life, look down at verse 44. This same crowd that would not come to him, he said, how can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do you know why Jesus uh, talked about, you know why he said they would not believe? Because they received honor one from another. You know what that is? That's nothing more than enjoying the pleasures of the praise of man. There were people there in uh, the gospel of John that the Bible says that they would not come to the Lord. They would not believe or they would not confess him publicly because they quote, love the praise of man more than the praise of God. And so you know what they enjoyed? They were proud and they liked having the chief seats and they liked being honored and revered by their fellow man. And they knew that in order to come to Jesus Christ, they would have to humble themselves and turn from their falsehoods to embrace and receive the one who was going to die for their sins and rise from the dead. Men have a pride factor in their hearts and it causes them to reject the Lord Jesus Christ and they will not come. And the Bible, it says over there in Galatians chapter 5, verse 11, it speaks of the offense of the cross. Do you know what is one of the most offensive things about the cross? is it levels the ground. You say, what do you mean? Some men are proud of their education. Uh, They're proud of their, quote, achievements and who they've become in the eyes of other men. And when you come to Calvary, you have to come as a little child. You have to come humbly because the Scripture says in 1 Peter 5, verse 5, that God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. By grace are you saved through faith. Well, you'll not come proudly to Calvary because you'll only come to Calvary when you see your need. And the truth of the matter is that to get on Calvary's hill, you've got to align yourself with thieves and the offscouring of the earth. And men will not humble themselves in their pride. They refuse to come humbly to Jesus Christ. But that's exactly what the call of the gospel will do. It humbles men down. It levels the playing field in the sense that the drunkard and the scholar are on level ground. All have sinned. There is no difference. The man with five degrees must come with the man who has no degrees. The man who's been to eighth grade and barely made it through has to come just like the doctor and the educated lawyer must come in humble, childlike faith. Years ago, Bob Jones Jr. was a guest on the Phil Donahue show. 
And I heard the preacher tell, he saw it in the 70s, Bob Jones Jr., who at the time had taken over for his daddy there at the college in Greenville, South Carolina, was on that program and he gave the gospel to Phil Donahue very plainly and very clearly. And Phil Donahue said something to this effect. He said, are you saying that in order to have everlasting life and to go to heaven when I die, I would have to humble myself like a little child and pray and call upon a man that I've never seen and I'm not even sure exists in order to go to heaven? And Bob Jones Jr. looked at him and said, that's exactly what I'm saying. And Phil Donahue's response was, I'll never do it. Do you know why old Phil won't ever do it? Because he's too proud. He thinks he's somebody important. And you know something? If he doesn't do it, he'll die in his sins and he'll go to the place of the damned. And he'll weep and wail and gnash his teeth and pay for his sins for all of eternity. Now, I know that's not a popular subject, but my friend, that's the truth according to the Bible. Men will not come to Jesus Christ because they're proud. The Pharisees had a pride problem. They were proud of their religion. Proud. I had a friend that knocked on the door of the pastor at First Baptist Church, not here in Danville, but in another state. And that First Baptist church pastor came to the door and said, how can I help you? And he began to witness to him. And he said, son, I'm the pastor at First Baptist Church. And my friend told him, well, that's good. But I didn't ask you if you were a preacher or a pastor anywhere. I asked you if you'd been born again. That pastor, and I don't know what his heart condition was, but he became enraged. He was infuriated that someone would question his salvation after he had said that I'm a pastor. You know what Billy Sunday said about preachers? He said hell would be so full of preachers that their feet would be sticking out of the windows. You're not going to heaven because you're a preacher. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a preacher. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a Baptist. I never boast. I never boast about those things. I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus Christ accomplished for me on Calvary's cross and the blood that rolled down that old tree blotted out my ungodliness and blotted out my sin and took away my transgressions and he rose from the dead and offered eternal life to me and one day as a young man I responded in faith and I went to him and he says him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out but many men will not come to Christ because they're proud what about you are you full of pride are you too proud to humbly come and bow the knee to Jesus Christ and then confess him to people all the days of your life. You got to repent of that pride and come humbly to Calvary. And I'll say number two, men will not come to Jesus Christ. Remember what we're looking at. John chapter five, verse 40, Jesus told them to search the scriptures because that those scriptures testified of him. And he says, and ye will not come to me that you might have life indicating that if they would come, they would get life. Listen, no man has ever gone to Jesus Christ and come up empty. The invitation is come now, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, crimson, they shall be as wool. But men won't come because of their pride. And in number two, men will not come and they refuse to respond to the invitation of God and the invitation of the gospel and the invitation of the Lord Jesus to come they will not come because of presumption. Look at Acts chapter 24. 
Acts chapter 24, verse 24, when the Bible says, Acts 24, verse 24, after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. So here is a man who has called for the Apostle Paul to come and preach to him. He says, I want to hear what it is you've been preaching. I mean, you talk about, it's like throwing a stake out there in front of a German shepherd to call Paul out of prison and say, I want you to come and explain this way of faith to me. Boy, there's not a preacher, a God-called preacher that wouldn't just lick his chops to get a chance to explain and expound the gospel to a hungry, seeking soul. So he calls for Paul and he desires to hear of, quote, concerning the faith in Christ. In verse 25, the Bible says, and as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. And by the way, we don't have time to look at this subject, but that's how a man explains about the faith in Christ. You want to reason, you want to be a good witness, then you need to talk about righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Amen and amen. Some people never flee from the wrath to come because the preacher never told them about any wrath that was coming. They've never fled for refuge to Jesus Christ because they've never been told that there's a storm of judgment on the way. But right here, this man is listening about the faith in Christ. And Paul comes, verse 25, and he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. And the Bible says, as he reasoned of this, it says in verse 25 that Felix trembled. He's under conviction. His heart is troubled. His conscience has been pricked by the Holy Ghost. Felix The governor, the great governor, the powerful governor is trembling. And he answered, here's what he says to Paul. Does he fall on his knees like the Philippian jailer and say, what must I do to be saved? And then believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ? No, he, like so many proud men before him, presumes upon the situation. Look what he says. He answers Paul's witnessing and preaching sermon with, go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season I will call for thee. That is presumption. This man would not come to Jesus Christ, though he saw his need and though his heart was troubled and his flesh trembled. He told the preacher, not today, because when I have a convenient season, a more convenient time, I will call for thee. You know why that presumptuous that is? It's presumptuous because he presumes that he'll have another opportunity He presumes he will have another time. He presumes that he'll have a more convenient season when the scripture says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You know what I say? Come when you hear the call. Don't wait. Don't wait too late. Don't presume that you'll have another day. That Bible still says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth for your life. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You may hear the, you're going to hear the gospel for the last time at some point, And you don't know when you'll hear it for the last time. And when you say no to the call of God, and when the spirit of God deals with you and shows you your need of Christ and you know you have a need, and you know that you could go, and you know that the invitation is open and free to all. Whosoever will, let him come, take the water of life freely. And you say, not today, and you're like Governor Felix. You'll say, go your way, preacher, for when I have a more convenient season, I will call for thee. That's presumption, because you're not guaranteed tomorrow, 
and you're not even guaranteed that you'll ever hear the gospel again. Men presume so they don't come. They presume that they'll have more time. I want to tell you a story right here that fits this greatly, and then we'll close out today's lesson and pick it up again next week and talk more about why men won't come. But today we've seen two reasons why they'll not come to Christ. Number one, their pride, and number two, they presume. They presume they have more time. They presume that there'll be another time to hear the gospel. And I remember years ago as I was working drywall with a friend of mine, he was a Christian man, and uh, we were working the drywall scene there, and we were working for a man, a 42-year-old man. His name at the time escapes me, but he was, he was a, uh, just a healthy man, had a great job at the time, was building a big three-story home on a lake there in Tennessee. And that man was uh, pretty much a, a, he did not have the fear of God for sure. He would constantly blaspheme the name of God and We'd seen many times his front lawn would be littered with beer bottles and he cussed and, and had no respect for anything holy. And we were doing the drywall and I remember looking down one day on him in the front yard. He was digging, doing some work down in the front yard of this new house he was building. And me and my Christian friend began to talk about how that we were pretty much hypocritical because here we are talking about what a sinner he is and yet neither one of us had ever opened our mouth to tell him the gospel. So we got down together there and, and prayed and asked the Lord to open a door for us that we might be able to preach the gospel to him and, and get a witness in on him. So that day at lunchtime, he sure enough walked into the garage where we were eating lunch and we got to talking. He was thanking us for doing a good job. And I said, hey, you know, I said, do you have a, just a few minutes? I said, there's something on my heart I'd like to show you. Well, he got interested and I reached him in the truck and I laid the Bible out on the hood of the truck. And I began to go through with uh, him the gospel of Jesus Christ, how that all of us have sinned and broken God's laws and how that sin will one day stand and condemn us before God in the judgment. <clears throat> and then I showed him the great way of salvation that God had provided for us through his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> with the help of God, I did the best I knew how to show him the way of life through Jesus Christ. And he rejected that day and he thanked me for telling him and I gave him a gospel booklet and he promised me and the man I was working with that he would read that track and so every day for the next three or four days on the job site I'd say hey have you read that gospel track yet have you thought any more about what we talk about no no uh, listen he goes fellas I I put that track that little booklet it's right there on my nightstand I'm going to read it I'm going to read it and you know we hadn't been off that job two weeks within the same month of witnessing to him and giving him that gospel booklet. And my buddy called me one night. He said, did you hear about uh, that man we was working for? I said, huh? He said, it was just on the news. He's dead. I said, what happened? He said, well, they said uh, he drove a bobcat off the back of his lot and it tumbled down. Accidentally, I guess he raised the, the uh, shovel of that bobcat up too high and it was top heavy and it flipped over and it, and it fell into that lake. And they fished him out about three hours later. That was about, we figured it up, it was just about 40 days after we had witnessed to him. Now, you know what that old 42-year-old boy that was in the prime of his life had good health, good sense. Do you know what? Do you know what he didn't know? He didn't know that he was hearing the gospel for the last time before he was going to die and meet his creator. 
He presumed that he'd have another chance to get right with God. He presumed that he'd hear the gospel again. And you know there's an old poem, and the author's unknown, and it says, There is a time I know not when, a place I know not where, which marks the destiny of men to heaven or despair. How long may men go on in sin? How long will God forbear? Where does hope end and where begins the confines of despair? One answer from those skies is sent, ye who from God depart. While it is called today, repent and harden not your heart. Those of you listening to me today, would you trust Jesus Christ even now? Don't presume that you'll have tomorrow because today may be the last opportunity you have to get in the lifeboat. Listen, come to Jesus Christ. As many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. May God help you to understand. May God help you to see. May he help you to respond in faith even now.